0: Coming up on today's show, Pat Shermer goes for two. And was it the right move on Monday Night Football? And Derek Carr was crying? But should we even care? And of course, the offensive lineman of the group gives my top 20 wide receivers and a preview of all of this week's game and much, much more. All of that coming up on the Tomahawk Show.
1: When Joe Thomas was drafted, I remember the announcer saying he's not a sexy pick, but he's a good pick. Well, throughout the last 11 years, nobody has been less sexy and more good than Joe Thomas and what he's done. Hey, I'm really fucking drunk, but I just want you to know that I've been a Cleveland Browns fan my whole life, and I'm only 21 years old. So you're like one of the only good Cleveland Browns in my whole life and you're fucking awesome and I love you I love you goodbye welcome back
2: to the Tomahawk show presented by uninterrupted I am Andrew Hawkins your humble co-host joined as always by my esteemed colleague Joe Thomas 37 time pro bowler mm. four time Super Bowl champion um, and then also Nat is with us ask Nat. Nat, how you doing today?
3: I'm doing great. I'm just another day at the Interrupted offices.
2: Just chilling down at headquarters. My guy, the
1: firm is here. Firm, what is it like in Northeast Ohio right now? <sighs> yeah, man, it's uh, it's not LA weather uh, anymore. It's uh, It's down in the <sighs> 40s today, but You know, I'm in a hoodie. I was just discussing with Hawk about whether if I lived in Los Angeles, i love wearing hoodies. Could I function as a human in Los Angeles if I wore a hoodie every day? And Hawk told me he wears his hoodies every day anyway, so I feel like if Hawk does it, I'm good.
2: The good thing about L.A. weather is that it basically stays the same throughout the year. That's like the – I'm not going to lie, I miss Cleveland, but L.A. weather is the only thing that I can unequivocally say is better than Cleveland overall. But Here's my thing, though.
0: Here's my thing with the weather. If it's the same thing every day, you get sick of it and you don't appreciate it. That's why the Midwest is great is because you've got this awful winter that when all of a sudden winter releases its grips from you, you become like euphoric that the sun is shining and you go outside in shorts and you don't need to bundle up and you appreciate it. If you get a 70 degree day in Cleveland in March, people are running around outside like it's the middle of July. They lose their mind because it's nice in LA. It's nice every day. So people don't even appreciate it. That's why you got a bunch of computer nerds and guys stuck on their iPads out in LA, (laughs) like Andrew (laughs) Hawkins.
2: Well, listen, you ever have something so much and have so much of one thing that you're just good on it for the rest of your life. Like I'm kind of like that with like white castle burgers. I ate so many (laughs) white castle burgers as a kid that I'm okay with never eating another white castle burger ever in my life. I've been in the snow. Forever, for 32 years, every winter, I was buried in snow. So at this point in my life, I'm just like, you know what, I'm good. My kids are like, man, I want the snow. We gotta go back so we can play in the snow. And I remember I was like that at a point, but now I'm like, I can barely tie my own shoes because all my joints hurt. So it's not like I'm playing in the snow. If I fall in the snow, I'll probably freeze to death because I wouldn't be able to get up.
3: How long does it snow in the winter in Ohio?
2: In Cleveland, 11 and a half months wow <laughs> it snows yeah, the it's, year. Pretty, it's crazy yeah
0: mm. the whole Rock, year. maybe you should drink less mountain dews and your joints wouldn't hurt so much what's the mountain <laughs> yeah. Dew total right now
2: this week i'm doing better i had uh i had a 20 ounce yesterday and maybe a half a can today half a can six ounces so i'm at about 26 ounces over the last 48 which isn't bad i'm getting so. better
0: were you one of those savages that drank half of his his uh, can of Mountain Dew and then just left it out there for somebody else to pick up and throw away? You are no, that usually, kid at the party that drank like three sips of ten different drinks and you just <laughs> left them out there. So wasteful.
2: True story. I didn't drink beer in high school, and you shouldn't for all the kids listening that are under 21. Don't drink beer. But when I was – and I didn't drink, and but I felt less cool because other kids were doing it. So I would walk around with empty beer cans oh, in my hand. Man. Then I was known for carrying empties just because I wanted to fit in. It I took like me a I while to do at,
0: at, at parties. When we hang out with LeBron at those uninterrupted parties, I always <laughs> see you with an empty beer in your hand. Hey, to you f- remember
2: that one time LeBron gave you a really big hug, Joe?
0: <laughs> that was amazing. I got that picture blown up in my room. That's the only picture. I, I don't have any pictures of my family in my bedroom. It's just a picture of me hugging LeBron.
2: <laughs> Finally, your life was made when you got you oh. played football. 10,000 straight snaps just to get the opportunity to hug the greatest basketball player you, of all time.
0: You don't know what it's like when your boss gives you a big hug like that and shows you appreciation. I know, man. That means I'm not getting fired this day.
2: That's all that counts, man. Can I ask I do a random have, question?
3: Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so I have been curious. How are people in Cleveland feeling about LeBron being in L.A. and mm. playing in L.A.?
2: Zerm is going to is just gonna come smoke out like, of own ears seen right now
3: how people have been reacting on twitter and stuff but i want to know from like actual cleveland native uh
1: i would say i personally i don't have an issue with it i mean it's weird and like it's very weird i, I turned on the game last night um in the second half just and then i like, threw my tv off the balcony <laughs> and then i um. now i no longer have a television so i'm, I'm in the market yeah, for it's, it's cool TV. it's no big deal <laughs> But it's fine. Like we don't talk about it that much here at all. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, like it's weird. There's definitely people here though that like still have this weird bitterness towards LeBron and like. But I don't know. I'm.
2: He gave, he mean, brought a championship though. Like the first time, you were you really pissed?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. The first time was bad. Uh, but <laughs> but I'm a I'm a mature adult male now. I was a uh, I was an infant in those days, and right. so I I've reflected on it. And yeah, it's like. The night the Cavs won the championship, I will never forget. It's probably will be one of the top five nights of my whole life. Just like how much fun it was being in the city. So like, right. how could I? How could I ever like be upset at him after that?
3: Yeah, I felt the same way when the Warriors won. Twice.
1: Okay, okay,
2: Nat. You know, it's just it's
1: unnecessary. That's, we're yeah. not
2: we are not doing that on the Tomahawk Show. So we know it's what hurtful. the firm's best night of his life was. It was when the Cavs won the championship. We know when Joe's best night of his life was was when LeBron gave him a hug. Nat, what was the Best night of your life. You know, this is probably a good question for Ask that. So we'll, we'll come back to that. I oh. think we should jump in today's show. But first, yeah. make sure you're following us on social media, at Tomahawk Show on Instagram and Twitter. Use the hashtag Tomahawk to send us thoughts, concerns, pointers, or just tell Joey sucks, which he hears a lot. Also, we are, we are trying to figure out uh, live Tomahawk Show taping in Cleveland. On November 10th is the date we're looking at. So we're trying to figure this out. So give us suggestions, hit us up on social, let us know where we should come. Let us know that you will come. We're sending out an invite list. Not really. Anybody's welcome to come. We just got to figure out a place to have it at. Um, where do we start first with today's show?
0: Let's go around the league. I think we should do some quick hits and we should start with Monday Night Football because that was an interesting game. I, to me, it was entertaining, even though it wasn't very close because of kind of the things that happened in that game. The Falcons were up 14 deep into the fourth quarter, and it was basically over, over. And then the Giants, they ended up coming down the field, and they scored a touchdown because the Falcons were in prevent. And now they're down by eight points, and Pat Shermer sticks two fingers up in the air. He wants mm. to go for two. Now, most casual football fans would be like, what the heck is he doing? Which I got to be honest, my myself included, I was thinking – what is Pat Shurmur doing? Like they don't need a two point inversion here. It doesn't do anything for him. It's still a two score game. And I think typically everybody that's sort of a a common football fan thinks, all right, the only time you go for two is if you need to tie the game right at the end or you need to make it less than like a three score to a two score, two score to a one score game. So Mm. seeing him go for two in this situation kind of struck me. And so I threw the question out on Twitter to all the smart people I know on Tomahawk show, of course, None of them had a good answer, so I had to hit on my good friend, Mitchell Schwartz, on Twitter, who always has very interesting and thought-provoking how comments.
2: Long is, real quick, before you continue, and I hate to interrupt you, but I'm going to anyway. How long are you and Mitchell Schwartz going to stay friends?
0: I, I think we'll probably be friends forever because we both have interesting ways of looking at the world, first of all, and then also sports. And he's very analytical, so am I. But he mm-hmm. even takes it to a new level, and he helps me appreciate the minutia, like almost nobody else that I know.
2: Okay. So when he breaks your sh- snap streak, on pace to do, yeah, what, what is your claim to fame at that point? Have you thought about what your transition is going to be yeah. when he puts down 11,000 straight snaps?
0: My transition at that point will be: I once co-hosted an average podcast with Andrew Hawkins.
2: You know what? You're a, you're a damn genius, Joe. Continue with your two-point <laughs> so conversion anyways. take.
0: So he hit me back, and he gave me an article. And so basically, the idea is that you've got four potential outcomes or uh, processes when you are in that situation, assuming you're going to score two touchdowns. You can kick two extra points. You can go. Uh, Two point conversion, extra point, or extra point, two point conversion, or two two point conversions, right? So you have four pathways to get to a result. Three of those mm-hmm. pathways lead to either overtime or a victory, and only one of those pathways lead to a loss. And if you fail both conversions, then you lose, right? So then by doing the probabilities and trying to figure out the probabilities of uh, a two point conversion success and f- an extra point success, you come to the conclusion that it's a much higher probability of winning in overtime or winning in regulation if you go for two both times. And so that was, that was interesting to me. That was sort of a revelation. And the only time supposedly based on probability and statistics, which as we know, math is a real thing here. Mm -hmm. We haven't discounted math just yet. It's still still out on math, but continue. Uh, The only time that you should kick both extra points is if you just have an awful offense you have almost no chance of converting the two-point conversion and you have a great defense that has a chance to maybe win somehow with trickeration in overtime Mm. and so I think Pat Shermer was realizing that he had a pretty decent chance better than 50% probably to make the two-point conversion so he did the smart thing even though it probably made a lot of people scratch their heads as to huh why would he go for two in that situation
2: and were you of the belief that he should have kicked the field goal right there?
0: Well, after I was able to read through the probability and statistics, it made perfect sense to me. You yeah. go with the odds and you go for two on both occasions. There's no reason except for being an old football fuddy-duddy to kick both extra points or kick an extra point right there and then go for two later in the game.
2: Okay. I'm more of a rabbit's foot guy myself. Yeah. If, that's
0: the problem. No, seriously. If I, if I woke up and no. –
2: you got to go with gut. You can't trust your gut and trust analytics. <laughs> they are not.
0: Yeah. No, you're exactly right. And analytics, the reason it popped up is because of football's history forever and ever of being superstitious and going with gut feelings right? right instead of using probability and statistics and things that we know to be true coaches are always going with my gut feeling right and players are always superstitious about how they put their socks on and their shoes and right. where what hotels they stay in and before the game and so yep. instead of living in the reality of the situation forever and ever these coaches have been just superstitious basically and said hey, in that situation, I'm going to kick the extra point. But it's great to see that there's coaches out there that are understanding the worth of probability and statistics and analytics, and they're starting to buy into it. And it's changing largely, by and large, the opinion of fans that watch the game. And that's a a good thing, in my opinion.
2: Well, here's the thing about analytics. And since we're on this tangent, I'm going to jump in here too. Mm. To give some people, some of the fans, some of the Tomahawk listeners, a chance to understand a little bit more about analytics if you don't. Here's what it breaks down to. This is my take at least. So analytics is basically a way to level the playing field in football, right? So me as a guy who has watched football my whole life, and I'm not saying everybody is this way or that if you played, you know it, but I know how fast guys are when I watch them run. With the high probability I can see somebody running a field during a football game. If I'm up close and I can say almost probably within three tenths of a second what their 40 time is if I see them run at full speed because I've seen it so much and I understand it. There are people like that. There are other people like, like, like Belichick who always says, I don't know nothing about analytics. That's not true. He naturally knows analytics in his mind, which is why he's a better coach than everybody else, because he has the natural gift of quantifying those things in his head Bingo. without sitting down with the math, a math book or figuring out probabilities. So how the 40 time, which is a form of analytics because you're, it's a, it's a measuring right of speed. The reason why the 40 is there is because people could say, there's people like Joe who said, like, man, I know exactly how fast somebody is running. And then there's other guys who don't. They have no idea. They can't diagnose it. So how do we make it even playing field? We have the 40-yard dash. So the 40-yard dash tells us this guy runs a 4-3. This guy runs a 5-flat. The 4-3 guy is faster, and he's a better receiver speed-wise, whereas Joe might not even need a 40-yard dash to say he's the fastest guy. So that's what analytics is, because if you look on the other side of it, the probability. So a good coach like Bill Belichick, who understands it to the 10th power, knows what to do in those situations, what is going to eliminate the probability of a loss and what is going to give him the best chance to win or, you know, what a defense is doing. And based on how this guy reacts to this, 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 and this, because it's naturally in his head, the analytics takes all the, the guessing out of it and it says, hey, Based on statistics, based on math, science, and probability, this is what you should do. And what that does is it, it creates a level playing field for other coaches who can't crack the code to say, man, I could be as good as the Patriots if I just follow these routines. But like Joe said, the problem is the NFL is riddled with people who would rather use superstition and rabbit's foot than actual metrics and analytics to win a football game is, and for the only reason of this is how we've always done it. So, that being said, the game is definitely going to change. People are going to hate it because, understandably, that's just not what you've been taught about it. But it is a smarter way to do things.
0: Well, football is a game of history and doing things because that's the way the guys before you did it. It's been a very slow game to change. Mm-hmm. And I'm really interested if Bill Belichick was in that situation. We almost never see them down by two touchdowns. But if they yeah, were in that situation – Imagine. <laughs> If he would have done the same thing, because part of the reason Bill Belichick has been so successful as a head coach is because he's so grumpy and he doesn't care one bit what outside influences think about his decision making within the game, within roster makeup, anything, owners, fans, media, he doesn't care at all. Mm-hmm. So most coaches are influenced by how fans think and how media reacts. And you even saw that a little bit after the game with Pat Shermer. The media just couldn't believe he would try to go for two in that situation. And he, he became very defensive. And you could see that possibly the next time he's in that situation, he would let that visceral, visceral reaction that the media gave to him affect his decision making, because he doesn't want to have to stand up there in front of those people and get ridiculed and get made to seem like an idiot because of the decisions that he made in the game. And to me, analytics is quantifying all things that we can measure and then using probabilities and statistics to make educated decisions. That's all it is. Nothing more, nothing less. Let's move on. I think the right. next topic we need to talk about is as the trade deadline is approaching. The Oakland Raiders have traded Amari Cooper to the Dallas Cowboys for wait for it a first round. What draft. in the shit?
2: What Why would they do that?
0: All right, Hawk. Amari Cooper. I went on Golick and Wingo earlier this week, and I said Amari Cooper is not a top twenty receiver in the NFL. And mm. the pick is too rich to trade for him. What sayeth you?
2: You know what? I'm, I'm going to actually concur. I'm going to mm. concur that I don't have mm. them in my top 20 receivers, but I would love to hear who your top 20 receivers are as the, I guess the new resident uh, receiver guru of the Tomahawk show, which is mm. bullshit, but whatever. <laughs> what we'll do is we'll let you go through your top 20 yeah. and I'll, I'll give you my real take. I'll give you my real take as a, a true receiver guru.
0: Well, let, why don't we do this? Why don't we get through our quick hits real quick, and then we'll come back to this because I think that can be a big segment all its all its own.
2: How about hey, man, that? it's your world. I'm just living in it, yeah, Joe. Yeah, I
0: love that. So real quick, Amari Cooper, you say he's not in the top 20. Did Dallas overpay to acquire him?
2: They did, but they're in a really desperate situation. Mm. They're in a really desperate situation, but I think it was a dumb move for this reason. Dez Bryant is still out there. For a first-round pick, you're not going to get such an upgrade over Dez Bryant with Amari Cooper when he was there anyway, like, it's not like he is a, and I get Amari Cooper is really young and I'm not saying Amari Cooper is not talented because he is uber talented, but he is not a world beater. He is not going to end their receiver woes, their receiver problems. If it was me, I would have made Des Bryant a bandaid. You know what? Swallowed my pride and said, you know what? We were wrong. We should have kept you. We're going to add you to this receiving core. And then we're going to go in the draft and try to try to draft a receiver next year. To give up a first-round pick for Amari Cooper means that you think he is the guy for the next five years plus. And to be honest, he didn't look like that last year before Gruden got there, and he didn't look like that this season. So I think Amari Cooper maybe turned into a two just because he doesn't have the top end straight line speed or the huge size to kind of command the attention or take over ball games the way you want your number one to. I think he's a really, really, really good two but I wouldn't have him as my top guy. And if you spend the first round picks, you're saying that that is your number one receiver for a very long time.
0: You made an interesting point too, that Dallas should just bring back Des Bryant and make him the bandit. I think that's a great point. And I think that's what they should have done because you bring Des Bryant back. He's going to be extra motivated to prove to everybody in that organization and everybody, in that fan base and everybody in the NFL Mm -hmm. that they did him wrong and they made the mistake in cutting him the first time and he's going to come back as well as he can play he's going to go out there and ball and I think he would actually even though he's a little bit different of a player than he was maybe three four years ago he has maybe lost a little bit of a step I still think he could be a great band-aid for those guys and let's be honest if they win there's never any problems from Des Bryant right when they're winning things are great and if they're losing it's going to be bad anyway. So if he makes yep. a big stink when they're losing, that's no big deal. They're already out of the playoffs probably by the time he's making a stink. And then you can just cut him and, and cut bait and then prove once and for all that they were right the first time. So I see if they would have uh, picked back up Des Bryant to be a no-lose situation for him, and they blew it.
2: I agree, man. I agree. I mean, it's just prideful. What a slap in the face to Des Bryant. Mm-hmm. So Des Bryant, to give you a, a quick history lesson, he turns down the offer from the Baltimore Ravens for three years, $21 million, $7 million a year. And then he turns down the Browns' offer to be, I think it was upwards of 4 or $5 million to come to the Browns. And he's been working out and he's been basically saying on Twitter, he kind of mended that relationship with the Cowboys. He was seen in a suite with Jerry Jones. Mm-hmm. And I think in his mind, the Cowboys were going to bring him back. I don't know what back conversations were had, but it, he was tweeting and very open that his plan was to rejoin the Dallas Cowboys. I don't know that still could happen. I'm not in the front office with Dallas. But if not, what a slap in the face to him. And how much money have you passed up What an opportunity you squandered um, by waiting for this to happen? And they go trade a first-round pick for Amari Cooper?
0: Mm. That's ridiculous yeah, was- to me. Des Bryant, you're not gonna make that money back selling Fit T on your Instagram account. Just mm. sign with somebody, man. Come on, man, get get out come there. Come to
2: Cleveland, play. that's how we're trying to say Des, just come to Cleveland, this <laughs> is Brown's all this is about. We don't mean any of this, we just want you to be a brown. All right, mm-hmm. come on, Joe, give me your, we need your all top 20, how are we gonna now, break this I down? Want,
0: I wanna talk one more quick hit quick. I wanna talk Derek okay. Carr responding to the reports that the Raiders locker room hates him, it's fractured, and that he was crying after- <laughs> I love your spot. paraphrasing.
2: <laughs> Was he crying? Did we get a did we get like the rondo style video of like a tear falling out of the eye? Did anybody have that close up?
0: Zerm, what do we got?
1: Yeah, there was a there was a tweet that somebody took video of like a way, way too like zoomed all the way in on, on his TV screen, you know, like one of those uh, weird videos.
2: Like the super it, grainy.
1: It looked, I mean, if I'm being honest, I watched it and I was like, oh, damn, Derek Carr's crying. Like, I thought (laughs) thought Derek Carr was openly weeping on the field, but he, uh, in his tweet today, denied it. He said he was telling his linemen to get me up, pick me up, and he said he never shed a single, he was very adamant that he never shed a single (laughs) tear.
0: Oh man! What what I want to know is, I thought it's 2018. I thought it's okay for men to cry.
3: That's what I was going to say. I'm like, is there something wrong if you cry? I mean, you see some people getting super emotional on the sideline, right? And you see the videos. I mean, usually it's not a quarterback, I guess. But, like, you see people comforting each other. And I feel like it's 2018. You could do that now.
2: Yeah, I got a text message from Taylor Gabriel right before kickoff last week. And he texted a group chat with me and Travis Benjamin. And he said... This mother for Hawk really was crying before every game. I used to look at him like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> so, you know, I'm team cry all day, baby. I don't think that's anything Derek Carr should remember. Now, I'm not going to cry because somebody hit me. That's one thing. I'm not going to cry out of frustration on the field, which is still okay. I'm not saying that makes you any less of a human or any less of a man. But don't be ashamed to cry, man. It's like well, that's what I'm saying.
0: Own it. Right, that's the only thing I think that.
2: But how do you own that in the NFL? What does he say like, you know what, I was crying, I was sad.
0: Yeah, no, what he can say is (laughs) I'm an emotional player. I love this game deeply and I was laying on the ground and I was overcome with the the emotion of not playing to my ability. And of the losing that we were dealing with And and it felt my resolve. It sounds like there. it's
3: coming from a really deep place, Joe. <laughs> yeah,
0: to, to go out there and be my best version of myself going forward. Because I love this team and I'm gonna do anything I can to get us back on top and to hoist that Super Bowl trophy someday.
2: You know, but the difference, here's the difference. He's the leader of the team. He's the leader, you can't, after thinking about it more as the leader of the football team, I don't wanna see you cry. I don't. And so, you know what? Me is crying before the game or somebody that, like, I know Dale cries because he's frustrated and he cares. I'm okay with that. But as the general, I don't want to see you crying, man. You're the guy we're leading. I need you cool, calm, and collected. You have to be the one to be thinking through how to fix things always. And you crying, basically, is you throwing in a card saying, we don't have it figured out. Mm -hmm. So, you know what? No, Derek Carr, you better not have cried. Mm -hmm. And and if I see it again, I'm going to Come to Oakland and slap you to sleep.
0: Oh, boy. Okay, I, I that might
2: have been to, a little deep. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. But, yeah, no crying from quarterbacks, please. I,
0: I, I do want to highlight one quote from The Athletic that was just especially uh, whew, rough. Okay, ready? They saw his face. They heard his whimper. They witnessed him explain on the sidelines. They assuredly watched it again in film session. <laughs> it's hard to see how Carr can lead this team again. Ooh, Ooh, for a guy that so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. Two years ago, I thought he was a top five quarterback in the NFL. Me too. Watching that offense, the way he got rid of the ball, the way that they played with those three stud wide receivers, the way he was distributing, that was a good team, and he was a great quarterback. I played with him in the Pro Bowl. I thought he was outstanding. I, to me, I thought he was the next Tom Brady in the NFL. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, two years later, the Raiders are talking about how can we get out from under this contract? And it's not like it's an outrageous contract. He's making like nineteen million a year for a quarterback. That's not that steep, especially a Pro Bowl quarterback. I mean, that's just amazing how far he's fallen.
2: He's fallen. He would have been the if he wouldn't have got hurt that yeah. uh, monstrous year. He would have been the MVP of the NFL. Mm-hmm. I don't completely blame him. I do put some of the blame. Not some of them, probably most of the blame on John, John Gruden because I've seen it coming from a mile away, man. Really? I'm Why did telling he you, mean? he does not commit to players.
0: Yeah, I tell you, you have and, to commit to the quarterback. If and
2: if you're not going to commit, any great coach, any great coach in NFL history, and the only reason I'm bringing up great coaches and I'm putting John Gruden on a higher pedestal than the other coaches in the league is because he has the biggest coaching contract in NFL
0: history. That we know so, of. That we, we don't know about of, which is contracts. It's not public like players.
2: True. So when you lure somebody from the Monday Night Football booth, mm-hmm. because you want you you know this is the guy, so you give him a ten year deal. We are locked in for 10, million, 10 years, one hundred million. You are the greatest coach. You're a Super Bowl winner. But if you think of great coaches in the NFL, they all have a quarterback that they are tied to. Mm-hmm. At some point, they made the decision or seen some audience that hey, I can't do this alone. A great coach by himself can't be a yeah. One of the best NFL coaches ever. But what Gruden, in his career, he's cycled through quarterbacks. Good or bad, he's always focused on what they don't do right and has used that as a reason for him to move on. So when he came into Derek Carr, he was super highly he – he spoke highly of every quarterback in the NFL. But when he first came into the Raiders – he didn't come out and say right away, yo, we have the quarterback to get this done, period. We ha- I don't have to worry about that. It's the first situation I've ever had where I didn't have to look for my guy because we got a franchise quarterback because he knows if shit hits the fan, I'm going elsewhere. Now he has a fire cell going off. He's mm. shipping off Amari Cooper, ships off the best defensive player. They'll get rid of Derek Carr, and he'll probably go somewhere and play really well. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine when Tom Brady retires in three years, Carr ends up at the Patriots? Mm. You mean to tell me Bill Belichick isn't going to get the most out of Derek Carr?
0: Mm. Yeah, I still believe in Derek. Monkey's uncle. Cool. I think it's a good point to to reiterate here. The one position in football where you need full support from your owner and your GM and your head coach's quarterback, you can't bench a quarterback into playing better. You can't motivate a quarterback to playing better by uh, ridiculing him. And it seems like everywhere John Gruden has gone, he's played that game with – quarterbacks where they've had this short leash and putting them in and out and and abusing them verbally in meetings and in the media. It just never works because quarterback is such a position of confidence. They got to have the confidence knowing that if they throw the ball and they sling it into a tight window and it's not a perfect pass and gets picked off, they're not going to get yanked because you can't have your quarterback playing too cautious. And we're going to get into that, but I think that's the mistake, huge mistake right now that Doug Marone is making in uh, Jacksonville right now with Blake Bortles. He's putting him on a short leash. He's already benched him once. Now what we're going to see, we're not going to see a more motivated Blake Bortles. Every quarterback in the NFL is motivated to be great. Look, they're the highest paid players in the NFL. They're all motivated great you don't need to motivate them by putting them on a short leash they're already trying hard all they have to do is throw football it's not like a defensive lineman you need to (laughs) kick them in the ass to get them to run harder after the running back or try to sack the quarterback the quarterbacks are already trying as hard as they can so you don't need to motivate them with negative uh, motivation like that all you're going to do is crush their confidence and you're going to destroy their ability to go out and be great as a quarterback which is taking calculated risks yes all right. Get it on the head. Let's move on to my top 20 receivers in the NFL. This the is, highly anticipated. This is all anyone has line. been
2: talking about. If this, this is this entire this is show, they were like, man, when are we going to get Joe's top 20 wide receiver ranking list? And here we are, finally.
0: We are. The left tackle that knows so little about receivers. He's going <laughs> to tell you exactly who the best 20 are.
2: Joe, before you are. talk, this could be your audition for Monday Night Football. So you <laughs> better not screw this up. Like, they're going to... Replay this when they're in the film room looking mm. for the next addition to MNF, and they're going to say, "Well, what does he know about wide receivers?" And mm-hmm. here is what we're going to show them. So you better not screw this up. No pressure.
0: Hey man, I'm the quarterback of this Tomahawk show, and you can't pressure me and threaten <laughs> oh, me into doing great. In his I'm gonna, gonna do great no matter what.
2: <laughs> I'm, a, right. I'm gonna do a great.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna do great no matter what. You ready? Uh, All do right, it. here we go. My top twenty. Receiver countdown. And what we're going to do is after I say five receivers, I want Hawk to tell me where I was wrong.
2: All right? Okay. Are we're you going to start. start from the back or just from the front?
0: I'm going to that... go from the back because I think that's a good move. <laughs> Kill okay. the anticipation.
2: There's just a joke like the there, NFL but we'll continue now. on. All right, go ahead.
0: All right. My number 20 receiver in the NFL, New England Patriots, Julian Edelman. Mm. Okay. Number 19, Stephon Diggs. Mm. 18, Tyler Lockett. 17, Devontae Adams. And my final receiver before Hawk tells me I'm an idiot, Juju Smith Schuster.
2: Mm, okay. I'm going to start off by saying you're an idiot, but I'm going to also say you had some good players in there, players that I think are solid top 20 players. I would okay. have had Diggs higher mm-hmm. and probably Devontae Adams. Juju Smith Schuster is in a good spot. You can argue a couple of spots higher, but he still has a ways to go. But I think he's going to be a special player. Give me your next five.
0: All right, my next five. T.Y. Hilton at 15. Number 14, Demaryius Thomas. Number 13, Tyreek Hill. Number Mm. 12, Larry Fitzgerald, the GOAT. Number 11, Adam Thielen. Hawk, what sayeth you? Oh,
2: man. Okay. Tyreek Hill is top 10 for me. We'll start there. Okay. I'm not going to have that guy outside the top 10, so you're an idiot for that. Mm-hmm. um you can argue T.Y. Hilton may not be top 20 yet but mm-hmm. um, I mean he may have fallen out of that but that could be quarterback issues so I'm not, I'm okay with that I probably would have had him probably in the 15 to 20 range if he's on this list Larry is good there Adam Thielen I'm also going to put in the top 10. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm going to put Adam Thielen I think he has earned top 10 status at this point even if it's at the very least 10.
0: Yeah. The, the only reason I didn't have Adam Thielen higher is because I think... Because he's
2: white. It's
0: okay. White we get it. We you understand it. White receivers in the top ten. It just It's <laughs> yes. ridiculous, right? Yeah. All they can do is play in the slot and catch a little five-yard <laughs> option routes. <laughs>
2: yes, bro. All right. All right. Who's your next five? All
0: right. Here's my top ten. Ready? Number ten, Jarvis Landry. Number nine, Mike Evans. Number eight, Doug Baldwin. Number seven, Keenan Allen. And number six, Michael Thomas.
2: Mmm. Okay. All right. I would have had Doug Baldwin. You could basically flop Doug Baldwin and Tyreek Hill at the very least. I I don't think Doug is better than Tyreek because Tyreek is just so explosive. Not to say Doug's not a great receiver because he is, but Tyreek is – he's in a a different category. Like he is just physically different. Mike Evans at nine, I probably would have had him closer to the seven-ish area. Mm -hmm. Um, Jarvis would probably be more of a 10 to 15 guy for me than the top 10, only because of the top line speed situation. If he doesn't have a guy blowing the top off the defense, um, he's just getting little yardage. Not to say that's not important, but it does limit the effect he can have overall. Give me the top five.
0: All right. Top five. Here we go. Number five, Deandre Hopkins. Ooh, so explosive. Mm. Number four, OBJ. He catches everything. He's a freak athlete so explosive. All right, number three, Antonio Brown. He's dropped a little bit this year. They've struggled a little bit more on offense this season, and he was probably my number one guy, but he's fallen to number three. And then my top two guys really, in my mind, are almost interchangeable, but I'm going to give a little bit of a nod to the number one guy uh, when you hear him. Number two is Julio Jones from the Falcons. Number one, My man, friend of the show, Mm. AJ Green, and I'm a little bit biased, clearly, because of the connection to the Tomahawk Show, but also, I just like how he goes about his business. He reminds me of Barry Sanders, the way that when Barry Sanders would score a touchdown, he would give the ball to the official. He just went to work every single day. He gave everything he had. He was a great teammate, and I love that about AJ Green. Not to say that Julio Jones isn't any of those things, but I just love that A.J. Green is a little bit overlooked because he isn't one of those diva receivers.
2: You know, they asked A.J. about his contract, and his response was, I'm not worried about the contract. My agent worries about that. I play football. All that will work itself out. And that is like, for a fan, you love to hear that. As mm-hmm. A.J.'s agent, I was like, A.J., <laughs> I can no longer represent you because that is not <laughs> what we're doing here, buddy. All right, we need money now. I was texting him like, hey, I thought we were holding out tomorrow. What is this? Bullshit quote I'm reading. But, you know, no, I like that. I like your top five. Yeah, I mean, your top five is good. People will argue that who, you know, where your A.J. Green placement is. Obviously, we're on the same page that A.J. doesn't get the respect he deserves. and He should be talked about as the number one receiver in the league. Mike Thomas could be a top five guy. Him and DeAndre Hopkins are kind of interchangeable. And I don't see how you don't have Josh Gordon in your top 20 receivers.
0: He was actually 21.
2: That's ridiculous. There's never a world where Josh Gordon is the 21st best receiver in the world.
0: Yeah, it's and it's not because of ability, clearly. Obviously, he's probably the most uh, talented player on this entire non-list list. But <laughs> he just hasn't produced since, uh, what, 2013 or whatever it was. Yeah, he and hasn't so produced it was difficult for coming me off to-
2: of a Ford catch 100-yard game.
0: Yeah, this is the only one he's had in like a gazillion years, so it was hard for me to take any of those other guys off that list and and legitimately justify putting Josh on there because of that factor.
2: Yeah, who would I put Josh over? Understanding what you just said, even still, so who tell me right now you have a, you're starting a team, and are you adding T. Y. Hilton over Josh Gordon?
0: Yeah, because first okay. of all, you just
2: you're taking bought- Doug Ball went over Josh Gordon.
0: You don't know what you have with Josh. There's too many unknowns, and and the history says he's going to have a slip-up again. I hope he doesn't, but when you're looking at potential future performance, you have to take that into account if you are a general manager.
2: Well, if that's the case, then Larry Fitzgerald shouldn't be on the top 20. He's literally retiring after the season, Joe.
0: How do we know? He said he was going to retire the year before. He's probably now, going to retire before wait, the
2: season's out, hey, to be hey, honest. Wait, wait,
0: wait. This isn't a list on who I want to start my team with. This is the best 20 receivers in the NFL in 2018. Which is why Josh Gordon should be on the list. All right, moving on. (laughs) We got to go to the Tomahawk matchups. I can't wait to
2: kick that to the fans. Okay, okay, okay. So it's time for our Tomahawk matchups of the week. We're going to go through the games and pick the matchup we care most about. Of everybody, I'm probably going to go with the Panthers and the Ravens, man. Cam Newton makes a comeback victory last week against the Eagles. They have a little bit of momentum. Although he doesn't have any weapons that are worth writing home about, the Ravens have a really, really sick defense, and I want to see if they can contain the freak of nature that is Cam Newton. Who you got, Joe?
0: My matchup of the week is the Broncos and the Chiefs. The Chiefs have been lighting things on fire. The Broncos still have a pretty good defense, and that's a great rivalry. That's an AFC West battle that's always fun to watch, and I'm really interested to see how the Chiefs respond on offense to a better defense from the Broncos. I think that actually could go either way right now.
2: Okay, now let's go to the Tomahawk individual matchups. Who is your individual matchup of the week?
0: Yeah, the individual matchup that I'm super excited to watch is Aaron Rodgers in California versus the Rams secondary. The Rams secondary has had good success, but not as great as we expected after they lost Aqib Tlaib. They played better last week, but Aaron Rodgers, the best quarterback in the game right now, has an opportunity to single-handedly Beat the best team in the NFL because of that small Achilles heel that the Rams have in their secondary right now. That's going to be a great game to watch, especially if the Rams get up a little bit early and it turns into one of these 50 passes games for Aaron Rodgers. Mm -hmm. That could be fun because if he gets hot, he might go like 47 out of 53 and just totally rewrite the record books in that game.
2: My matchup and my indie matchup of the week is going to be Blake Bortles versus the Eagles in London. I think. Blake Bortles is playing for his job right now. He got benched last week. This is a quarterback who played in the AFC Championship and was honestly a Tom Brady touchdown away from going to the Super Bowl, but he has not played well. This defense has been one of the best defenses we've seen over the last decade, and they have not been able to maximize the amount of talent they have because they are deficient at the quarterback position. Again, he got benched last week for Cody Kessler. They've made the call that he is going to be the starter this week against an Eagles team that gave up a 17-point lead heading to the fourth quarter. I know they're going to be locked in. Blake Bortles understands he is playing for potentially his career at this point, so it will be interesting to see what happens. It's something I'm definitely going to keep an eye on.
0: How about Doug Marone coming out this week and saying that his quarterback was on a short leash? Hey, no, man. if that if that's not a confidence booster for your quarterback, do <laughs> you think that guy's ever going to throw the ball back there? He's going to be holding the ball for seven seconds. He ain't throwing anything, and then unless that dude is open by about seven yards, he's going to be just an absolute sack machine. So if you're playing fantasy this week, definitely pick take the Eagles' defense because they're going to have about ten sacks of Blake Bortles because he's not going to throw that interception that causes Doug Marone to pull him in,
2: out of that game. Doug Marone should sign Colin Kaepernick.
0: No, you know what he should do? He's got a lot of op- options. Colin Kaepernick would be a better option. But you know who else would be a better option? To trade for Tyrod Taylor.
2: Trade for Tyrod, Tyrod Taylor. Trade for Derek Carr. Trade There's a lot of guys Derek out Carr. there that
0: could be a better option right now. And the way he's handling Blake Bortles is abysmal. And we're going to see that on Sunday. Blake Bortles is not going to bounce back. Because you can't motivate quarterbacks by benching them. I've been around it a million times. You would know is destroy their confidence and, and turn them into sack machines because they are afraid to throw a pick.
2: Oh, man. Okay, so as spicy as those takes were, we got our Tama hot takes of the weekend right here. Those actually weren't it. My Tomahawk take of the week is that the Giants are going to beat the Redskins. Redskins coming off at an emotional win, beating a division opponent the Cowboys. The Giants took an L on Monday Night Football against the Falcons. But you know what? Eli looked good. Eli threw for over 400 yards. He didn't turn the ball over. He got sacked four times, which is still a problem on the offensive line. But Eli looked like he brought it together a little bit. So I think Eli continues that hot streak against the Redskins, who don't expect it, and I think the Giants get the dub.
0: Are, are your stats correct there? I don't, I don't think Eli got sacked four times. Didn't he get sacked five times?
2: I don't freaking know. Nobody cares. That's, uh, who cares, who cares? cares really about matter. O-line stats, man? <laughs> <laughs> 20 times.
0: No, actually, you are right. He did get sacked four times. Yeah, I
2: okay. know. I'm a sports center host. I'm literally reading off the script.
0: My Tomahawk take of the week is that the Packers will win at the Rams, giving the Rams the first loss of the season. Aaron Rodgers is going to have a career day. He's going to be unconscious throwing the football, incredible completion percentage, even the great Indomitian Sue and Aaron Donald will not be able to get to him because he's going to be throwing the ball so quickly to those receivers. And the Packers are going to fly home victorious. That
2: is a -a Tomahawk take because Aaron (laughs) Donald is going to be the superior A.A. run in this game. He's going to have nine (laughs) sacks because this dude is unblockable. How many – he had four sacks last week because his daughter told him – he asked her how many sacks should daddy get today, and she said 10. So he was legit trying to get 10 sacks, and as a D tackle, he sacked the quarterback four times, which is amazing.
0: Well, that's a good question. What if his daughter would have said four sacks? Then he gets to four. Does he take himself out of the game? Does he stop trying at that point? Because he doesn't want to disappoint his, his daughter.
2: No, that's far more important than getting five sacks. So you're right. I don't know okay. what happens, man.
0: Family first, man. Family, family first. I don't know what you're first. talking about.
2: This is All the right. ultimate was, family first. Tom of locks of the week. I got the pats over the Bills for obvious reasons. The Bills um, are the third best team in the MAC conference. So they're not going to be able to contend with the Patriots. Um, who do you got for your toma lock of the week? <laughs>
0: Uh, you know what? I like the Lions over the Seahawks. Actually, the Lions have been playing much better after really starting the season crappy. And even though the Seahawks are playing better, I just think Matt Patricia is figuring things out. That team is, seems to be playing for him. And I love Matt Stafford. I think he's really going to play well in this game. And uh, the Lions are going to win handily uh, against the Seahawks.
2: The Lions are sneak,
1: sneakily playing well. I think they've won like three or of the last four games. Did I see that right, there? Um, Yes, you did. The Lions are like um, how we talk about white receivers. They're sneaky good. <laughs> yeah. there go. The
2: Lions are Adam well, Thielen. Well done. Got it, perfect. All right, let's go Man. our DraftKings league, Joe. Who, how did you do? How did we do last week, Nat?
3: Sorry,
2: goodness. Nat is getting off the couch. Yeah. She was taking yeah, a sleeping. little break, mm-hmm. little smoke break. Smoke.
3: Oh my god, <laughs> my parents listen <doesn't> to this. <laughs> All right, so our DraftKings results: first place, Zerm the Firm got first place with uh, 145 points. Mm. And that was a
2: 103 finish, Zerm. Don't yeah, be not, not exactly like not first place in the First yeah. place amongst hearts, us. First, terrible first in our food. fans' hearts.
1: All right. Thank you.
3: I feel like I should say the place instead of the points because I don't should. even know what the points mean. So, Zerm got first with 103rd place. Joe got second with 181st place. Um, Hawk got third with 243rd place. Damn it. But those were all better than me because mm. I was not in the competition this no. week. No.
0: Yeah, yeah. Wow, hard to win that
3: multi-thousand-dollar coffee maker.
2: Yeah. You know, we but. have a whole initiative to get you a $2,000 coffee maker, and you don't even it put w- a team in? You know, there I'm are not- fans out there tanking so that you get your coffee maker.
0: Yeah. Wow. There's a reason you're poor. <laughs> right. you, you, you just got to – hey, man, you, you got to show up to work. You got to
2: show up, Nat.
3: I will own it. Next week, I'm getting in top five.
2: All right, I finished 243, which wasn't isn't great. Um, I finished 310 last week. Having a rough couple of weeks. This week, I'm going to bounce back. The actual winner of the DraftKings league is A. Ferris. One, he had 198.78 points. The closest to 73.16 was dropping logs, which is a really <laughs> oh cool God. name. He had 73. <laughs> he had 73.42 points, so he was actually just a mere 0.36 away from winning. The seventy-three sixteen wow. grand prize. I'm gonna up the seventy-three grand prize live on air right now. If you hit seventy-three sixteen points in our DraftKings league, I am gonna send you five hundred dollars.
0: Wow! Oh my goodness! So, and a lottery ticket for one point six billion.
2: <laughs> it'll just <laughs> it'll be one. small earnings out of my mega billions that I'm gonna win. But yeah, <laughs> if you hit seventy-three sixteen, I'm gonna send you five hundred bucks personally because I now I see how hard it is gonna be to send that. And if someone did hit. If they only got $73, that would be a travesty. So we should just put it in a pot. We should just keep adding the 73.16 up every week. And until somebody hits it, that's what they get. Uh, I like that. But if you hit 73.16 this week, you get $500. So there you go.
0: All right. Well, I think it's time for everybody's favorite segment the world famous Ask Nat, where we ask Natty Ice just about every question we can think of that will stump her. And this week on the Ask Nat segment, we have four questions, which I'm very, very excited about. And without any further ado, Nat, how are you feeling today about the Ask Nat section?
3: I am so ready. Bring it.
0: Ooh. All right. (laughs) The first question for Natty Ice is, are pitchers athletes?
3: You know what? I think they are athletes. Because when I think of athletes, the definition is somebody that plays a sport and does some type of physical activity. Even though some pitchers are fat, they're still athletes. I mean, <laughs> what they do, they're throwing a ball using their arm. It's like a skill you need to have to be able to throw the ball a certain way, like 100 miles an hour. I do think they're athletes. They're just out-of-shape athletes. Follow-up
2: question. Speaking of out-of-shape athletes, who is a better athlete, pitchers or O-linemen?
3: <laughs> O-linemen, for O-linemen. sure.
0: Okay. Thank you. Hey, kids, remember at home, you don't have to play a sport to be one take that one to the bank. That's a good one. Next question. If you were a pro athlete other than the paycheck, what would be the best part?
3: I would say first and foremost, the platform that I would have to be able to talk about anything I want and bring things that I want to be heard to the attention of everybody. I would have that access at my fingertips, whether it's online or like through interviews, anything I could you know, I would like to have that platform. Second of all, it would probably be having people do whatever I want for me, kind of whenever I want.
0: (laughs) Mm, When does that start, Hawk? Yeah, I was waiting. (laughs) I
2: think we're going to get grandfathered in here any second now.
0: (laughs) Well, unfortunately, that's the wrong answer, Nat. The correct answer is that you're able to get people to send you your high dollar coffee makers because you can shame them on social media. (laughs)
2: Using your social media power for evil. That's right. For evil. Thanks for playing that.
0: (laughs) Customer service department into putting your uh, requests to the top of the list. All right. Two more questions and then we'll let Natty Ice go for the day. What is the worst date you've ever been on?
3: The worst date? Dang! I
2: hope he's listening too. I hope the guy, <laughs> this <laughs> guy listens to her on the Tomahawk show. He can give us his
0: name and his number too. And he's like, man, I really hey, messed I up with that, Natalie,
2: man. man. Now she's a broadcasting superstar. Oh, Jesus. So please air him out live on the Tomahawk show. Another benefit of being a professional athlete. There you you can air out people who don't have a platform and they can't defend <laughs> themselves.
3: To be honest, the worst date, like I don't mind what we do on a date. Like we could be just hanging out, doing nothing. It doesn't have to be, like, something fancy or we have to go somewhere cool. But there was this probably this one date where this guy just literally only talked about himself, like, Mm. didn't ask anything about me or what I do or what I like. It was all about him. And anytime I started talking, it would revert back to him and what he likes and all the things he's done i'm like i don't really care anymore like after five minutes i'm like i'm so done with this
2: for context nat i thought we were just getting coffee i didn't even know that was <laughs> <laughs> i was
0: just gonna say fuck, i didn't know you and Nat dated before we got married uh-
3: <laughs> oh my god
0: that's good so how did you exit from that situation because you know after five minutes you said hey i'm totally done with this dude i know i don't want to waste any more time so how did you end up like getting out of there without i mean spending wasting the whole night with him
3: i well i don't think we were just at a bar and i don't think it was gonna go anywhere else it was just like meeting at a bar and hanging out so i could he could probably tell that I was completely uninterested after like five, 10 minutes of talking. And Mm. it just ended after that. He, I think he asked me out like one or two more times after, and I just made up excuses and said, I can't. And I think he got the hint, which is good. Mm. So that's how I got out of that.
2: I can't, I'm washing (laughs) my dog. All right. We have another question, Joe?
0: Well, yeah. One more question. Um, so the question is, what is your Halloween costume this year?
3: Mm. I don't know yet. Halloween coming up? I really don't know. And I, I'm open to suggestions. Actually, last year, it was so funny. I was cheech and chong with my best friend. And, like,
2: <laughs> it's That's funny great. she always <laughs> oh my God. busts down the smoking jokes.
0: Uh-huh. It's legal in California
2: that. <laughs> if you'd have gave me three guesses, give me three guesses of what <laughs> Natalie would was dressed like at Halloween, that would have been. Number one.
3: <laughs> I didn't even realize that was like, okay. I set myself up there, but it was a really good costume. We went all out. We had the mustaches, like the whole outfit. It was great. But I'm,
2: <laughs> we had the 10 bags of marijuana. It was awesome.
3: <laughs> we did not. We went all out. But I'm open to suggestions for this year because I have no idea what I'm going to be.
2: All right. A bonus question. What was the best night of your life, Nat?
3: Oh, yeah. the Best night of my life. Okay. The first thing that I could think of is, 2010 i went to the warriors game on christmas day which is also my birthday so that was amazing i think we won by like three or four points and i was with my sister and two of my best friends and after the game one of my friends was like let's go wait by the player's exit like the where they drive out he's like let's go play i mean let's go wait there and you can get pictures with them like when they're driving out i'm like okay and it's raining And I'm like, fine, let's do this for like 10 minutes. I'll wait. If it's not going to happen, let's just go. So we go, we wait. There's probably like 10 other people there. I don't think people really knew that this was a thing you could do, uh like wait by their exit. So we go, we wait, we wait. It's raining. I'm like, oh my God, this is not going to, it's not going to happen. Sure enough, the first car that drives out is a, I think it was a G wagon, And the window rolls down and the front seat is Steph Curry. And this is his rookie, I think his rookie year, 2010, I think and if he yeah still,
2: if he's still stopping for fans it, he was young in yeah
3: exactly yeah
2: ain't no way he's doing that now <laughs> exactly
3: and there was only like 10 people there so we stop he stops his car my friend he's yelling it's her birthday it's her birthday like please take a picture he stops his car he's like all right come over here so my sister and I run over to the car my sister has a curry jersey on I don't I have a Monteello jersey on because I loved him yeah <laughs> so we go over there we take a picture with him I was like ecstatic and then he leaves and then Three other cars pull up. I think it was like David Lee, Ekpe like random players. But we got pictures with all of them, and it was on Christmas, on my birthday. Like I had the best night ever. That's the first thing that comes to my mind when I think of the best night.
2: Birthday, Christmas, Steph Curry pitch. That's a pretty. Th- that's a pretty dope night. That's almost as good yeah. as Joe getting a hug from LeBron. Exactly. Um, right. ber- Christmas birthday had to be tough.
3: I mean, it. Not really. It was. It went from being super fun when I was a kid because I would get, like, double the presents, and then now it's just, like, a
0: regular just, – it's just it's Christmas. Just, it's just Jesus'
2: <laughs> birthday. It's not, it's nothing. Okay. All right, Nat, off the mic. All right, what else we well, got, Joe?
0: We learned a lot about
2: Nat learned, today. This might have been the most – Yeah, that was – We learned the most that. about Nat tonight that oh. we have ever had.
0: Yeah, and that's one of those groupies that hangs around the players <laughs> trying to get a picture for hours and hours and so she doesn't want to hear good.
2: you talk about yourself so she can talk about herself more <laughs> oh, all she does is smoke this is wild sorry I disclaimer
3: i do not they're okay. just painting if, this picture if your
2: parents are listening we apologize you get to find out this way we'll pretend i think that explain. does it for today's episode of the tomahawk show listen tweet us using the hashtag tomahawk follow us on twitter and instagram at tomahawk show make sure you're joining our DraftKings league we're giving away 73.16 for the top person. If you hit 73 points, and points, 73.16 points, you can walk away with $500. Nat can win a coffee maker, but she doesn't even do it. And NFD, we have an update from him. He texted me on Andrew Hawkins Day, which is October 20th. He said, happy Hawk Day, man. Um, a lot of things are going wrong in my life, but I'm figuring them out. He's down in Juarez, Mexico, which yeah. I thought was weird because there's a lot going on there. Um, he was going to send us pictures, so maybe when we get the pictures, we'll post them to social. He said not to worry. He's in a quest to find himself. Um, he has really identity issues because he doesn't have a face. But he said not to worry that we he'd be back soon.
0: Well, I think he was in Germany last I heard yep. for the Oktoberfest celebration. So he's just hitting all the big celebrations all around the globe. And I believe the reason he's in Juarez is because he's at Dia de Muertos. The Day of the Dead, which is a famous famous celebration down in Mexico. So I don't know if uh, Juarez
3: is the best place to be in Mexico, though, so I'm kind of worried for him.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm sure it's great. I'm and sure he's having a lot of fun. Anytime he's got you no, leave head, the cut, no face to cut off.
2: He's got no face to cut off, man. <laughs> They're going to think the job is already done. So, all right, we'll get an update from NFT here soon this week. Um, yeah, so we appreciate it. Joe, final thoughts?
0: Yeah, my final thoughts are I was thinking about the whole Pat Shermer going for two all last night and this morning. And I thought, what an interesting world that we live in, that the thing that is the most, has the highest probability of success is being considered risky because of the history and the traditions in the NFL. It is, but a, that's
2: it is a mirror of society. Um, also, you're a loser for thinking about that all night. All right. <laughs> Nat, take us out.
3: Joe Hawk yourself.